Hello, everybody. Here we go again with another Tech Doctor podcast. I am Robert, one of the Tech Doctors, and along with me is Allison. Allison Malloy. Hello. How are you? It's been way too long. It has been so way too long, and I'm so glad to be back with you all. I'm, I'm doing well. Hope you are too. I, I little birdie tells me that uh, that you have retired. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I, I have, and I'm enjoying it so far. And it was a wonderful career, but it's on to the next thing. And I've got a lot going on with music and amateur radio and family. And it's just, it's a good time for me right now. So I'm very fortunate for that. Wonderful. And we have with us the good Dr. Woodbridge, all the way from way out yonder in Australia. Hello, David. How are you? I'm just contemplating whether an island can actually sink because we're just really badly flooded at the moment. So Aww. if it's not if it's not the virus, it's bushfires, and if it's not bushfires, it's actually floods. So we're doing really well here in Australia at the moment. Well, I'm sorry to hear about all the flooding. And one of the news reports here said you guys had had some places, uh, I gather somewhere not too far from Sydney, have had as much rain in a few days as they normally get in a year. Mm, absolutely. And one dam that should take several months to fill up, filled up within, I think it was within 24 to 36 hours. So, oh. yeah, so no, it's just bucketing down. The ground's so saturated that the water just can't go anywhere. So we've got flash flooding and people that have, you know, got flooded last year and they're getting flooded again. And yeah, it's just, it's just appalling. So I'm just waiting for the train lines to get flooded and that'll be the next thing. So. <laughs> But my house so far has only got a little puddle sort of right on the corner of the house, which normally gets a bit sort of a bit uh, bad every now and again. But besides that, we're, we're fine. So, But my boy's school, which is about two kilometres away, it's right next to a creek and that creek basically floods very dramatically. So my son's driving now. So I'm just running for him to pop through the front door going, Dad, sorry, we're back. Because if we don't leave now, we can't get out of the um, the school area. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Hmm. Oh boy! Well, good luck to everybody there. Stay safe, and as they used to say back in the day, keep your powder dry. Indeed, that's true. Very good. Well, we're fortunate today. We have a special guest with us, a man who is absolutely no stranger to podcasting, and probably to most of our podcast listeners. But it's been a while since we talked. Jamie Pauls, welcome to the Tech Doctor Podcast, and thank you for being here. Thank you for letting me be with you all. I, I feel really uh, in a good place because the doctors are in the house and I'm satisfied that my tech health is going to be in tip top shape by the time this is all done. I, I just know it is. Wow. What a statement. Yeah. Ah, thank, thank you for that. <laughs> You're no welcome. Pressure. I wonder who he's, I wonder who he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we're about to break a 121-year-old record here. It's about to get 80 degrees before the day's over. So oh we've had gosh. winter and I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for spring. Bring it. That's wonderful. You've got to stay cool and David's got to stay dry. And that's, yeah, that's right. it. It's right. <laughs> crazy. And Alice and I just have to hang in there somehow, I yep, suppose. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Today, we wanted to get together and talk all about the Mac. I've sort of been thinking of this as kind of the state of the Mac in 2022, because 
the the Mac has been so interesting to me over the last few years. It's gone through periods where at least some podcasters in the last five or so years for a while, and I'm thinking of the, the guys at the Accidental Tech Podcast and others, began to feel like Apple was really not paying that much attention to the Mac or that it was kind of being left behind and people were struggling with controversies about the touch bar and the keyboard and and this and that and the loss of ports and things like that. And then suddenly the Mac um, took a turn. Apple had been sort of saying all along, forget about these worries, forget about these rumors. It's just not true that Apple no longer cares about the Mac. And they surprised everyone, as they do, with a brand new chip called an M1 chip, which is their own silicon for the Mac. And it is an amazing step forward for this platform. And everybody suddenly got really excited about the Mac again. And I know just among those of us who are here on this podcast, there, there's quite a quite a bit of variance in our Mac experiences and how we feel about it and how we felt about it from from time to time. So we're just going to, I think, talk a bit about where we're at with it, what we see as being the pros and cons of the Mac right now. And also we're going to drill down a bit more as we go along and focus on what does it mean specifically the Mac as a device that has a screen reader that that's good for blind people. So I don't know, maybe a, a place to start would be just to hear a little bit about what, 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 where you guys are at with the Mac. Allison, what, what, what's going on with you and the Mac these days? Right now, as much as I love my iPhone, I am, I am not currently using a Mac. You all may remember that when I joined the podcast all the way back in 2013, wow, um, I had just gotten a Mac and was just really diving in and learning how to use it. And I, I do love the Mac operating system. Uh, there is, there is nothing that I think is, is, is bad about it. Um, but for now, I personally, having experienced the awesomeness that is the new chips have gone back to Windows for a couple of different reasons for me. The, the main one is that I tend to stick with what I know. As much as I like to explore new technology, I tend to stick with what I know. I may play with Android, but I always go back to the iPhone. I may, I may check out the Mac occasionally, but I do end up going back to Windows, mainly because it's what I've used for over 20 years and what I use every day at work. So my history with the Mac has been kind of at times hot and cold at times when I was perhaps less mature, I was um, a little more openly critical of Mac OS, but it's a, it's a solid operating system. The new Macs are far superior machines in terms of, um, in terms of just comparing them performance wise to anything really that's out there on the Windows side. I think the state of the Mac is strong. At the risk of just, you know, pushing you a little bit on on it, you, you, I know 
maybe the last time we podcast, or at least one recent time, you were excited about the new MacBook Pro, and I think you were just making uh, plans to get one, or maybe had just gotten one. I can't remember exactly what the details were, but but you 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 got it and just decided it was still not quite um, what you were comfortable with or what you were the most familiar with. And so you felt it was a good idea to go back to windows. I mean, am I getting what you're saying or or is there something else there? I had, I had just gotten one when we last podcasted, I already have a uh, windows machine that's bought and paid for and works, works fine. Um, the Mac was bought on, was bought on financing. And so as I was using it and getting to know um, the latest iteration of the operating system and getting really to love, like I said, that performance, um, I was really trying to weigh, okay, what can I do with this that I can't already do on Windows that will justify me continuing to, to finance this purchase? I was still within the return window and I and I did ultimately decide to return it for, for a couple of different reasons. I find that I do a lot of my home computing tasks on the phone now. So I just find for me that a computer, except for very specific things, has become less necessary over time. You've been and saying that for a while, and and I mean that's I been that's been the, how how you have operated for for quite a while, doing most of what you do at home on your phone. Yes, I am. I am pretty mobile centric. I like just being able to have the phone anywhere and everywhere, pull it out, do what I want to do, put it back, and then go back to reading my book on my phone or whatever I'm doing. I like having that that one device system where I can get ninety. Five percent of what I want to do, computing-wise, done usually without something like an external keyboard or Braille display. Especially now that Braille screen input has become so rock solid. Another thing is I do tend to work a lot still in in Microsoft Word, whether that's for work or whether that's for home. I use the heck out of Microsoft Word, and while accessibility of the office suite has gotten so much better on the Mac. I mean, world's better outlook on the Mac is really actually quite a delight. Um, Word on the Mac still leaves a few things to be desired. I personally found still that when going through long documents and trying to make uh, really fine edits, I found that that focus was not consistent in terms of me being able to know exactly where I was and knowing that when I was reading line by line, it wasn't suddenly going to skip me down by a page and put me somewhere else entirely in the document. You just can't get, if you're going to use Microsoft Office, your best bet is a Windows screen reader. I will not necessarily say JAWS because there are lots of good options out there. A Windows screen reader with um, on a Windows PC. Another thing I really appreciated about Windows and still do is the fact that I can use multiple screen readers if I need to. If I'm having an accessibility issue, whether it's on a web page or whether it's with an application, I have the option of switching from JAWS to Narrator to NVDA. I have three really solid options that I can go to and using 
voiceover on the Mac, that is your option. And it works with a lot of things. But if you run into an accessibility issue where voiceover isn't going to work, you don't have an alternative. There's a lot here that we could and will unpack a bit more because I think what you've done is done a great job of of saying in so many words how complicated in a sense the landscape is right oh, i mean is. you're yeah. absolutely right um the macs are expensive so do, do you do you need or want to invest that kind of money on the flip side of that when you do invest that kind of money you're getting a really good piece of hardware that oh, yes. that that you can't really get anywhere else you're absolutely right. You can and need to probably use multiple screen readers on Windows. But the downside of that is you have to learn to use multiple screen readers. And True. that's not everybody's cup of tea. You have one screen reader on the Mac. And and if there are things that you, you can't do with it, like I had a situation the other day where Safari simply would not read a, a page where I wanted to buy something from an online store. It just said image would not read the page, but mm -hmm. I switched to a different browser to Microsoft edge still on the Mac and, and edge read the page just fine. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you have to do some switching around of applications sometimes on the Mac to get done what you need to do. And you also said, you know, that you're really steeped in Microsoft Word. And it's, it's a good point that if that's where you really live, it makes all kinds of sense in the world to, in, in my mind at least, to, to work in Windows. Because uh, Microsoft Word is a Microsoft Windows product first and yeah. foremost, even though it's gotten way better on the Mac. So, I mean, you're really talking about how complicated it is. And I appreciate the nuances there because it's not so easy. No, nope, it really isn't. Well, David, you've been listening to all this. Let's hear what kind of what you have to say or how you would react to what, what Allison and I have been talking about. I actually agree about Microsoft Office. I mean, I'm, I'm probably lucky because I tend to write I don't know how you call it, but because I write a lot of sort of draft evaluation stuff, podcasting notes, webinar notes, radio notes, all that sort of stuff, at the end of the day, I then give that stuff to other people to sort of mark up or format or do other stuff. So I just give them the, the content and they make it look all nice and pretty. So for me, I actually don't actually have to use Microsoft Office. Um, if I had to, then yes, I would definitely go and use Windows and a Windows screen reader. But because most of my work is basically, you know, text edit, which is the basic word processor on the Mac, um, I use messages quite a lot. I use mail. Um, when you just said that, you know, when one browser doesn't work, you go and jump to another one. That's exactly what I do. So some things that I know that Safari will work with, some things Google Chrome will work with, and some things that Microsoft Edge will work with. So depending on what web page I'm going to go to, um, then I'll just switch web, web browsers. So, for example, my client management system at work hates Safari, so I go and use Google Chrome or Edge for those particular situations. And I'm lucky because I, I have a Surface, um, a Surface Notebook, so I can go and run Jaws or NVDA or Narrator on that one. But I just see my, after using the Mac now for 
geez, maybe it's coming up to 17 years now, um, I, I still really see Windows as a machine that I have to use under duress because I'm so used to using the Mac. Um, that I've got to, even the, the way the cursor operates uh, on Windows versus the Mac, I've sort of got to retrain my brain to say, you know, the cursor's not where I think it is on, on Windows. Um, and I just have this constant fear because our IT support and because I work at home, our IT support's in Melbourne. So if anything goes wrong with my machine, my Windows machine, I'm high and dry. And the number of times I've had to wait for sighted assistance to fix my Windows computer versus probably only a handful of times on the Mac, I just need to be on the go and ready to go all the time. I can't afford to say, you know, oh, I'm sorry I couldn't meet that deadline because my Windows machine stopped working. And it wasn't the Windows machine, it was the fact that the screen reader stopped talking. Um, that's getting a lot better now with Windows 11, but I'm still constantly paranoid about Windows, its stability, um, things not quite working as far as the screen reader is concerned. Because somebody made a really interesting point um, earlier this week, and they, what they said was, um, for example, JAWS really goes far beyond what a screen reader is initially designed to do. When JAWS is actually making um, applications work correctly it's not the fact that you know the developers have made them 100 accessible it's the fact that a combination of the developer and um, freedom scientific or whatever they're called now have put a lot of work into going beyond and making things fully accessible for somebody using a screen reader whereas i guess the philosophy of apple is that We've got a general screen reader. It works with the majority of applications that a person would need to use. If the person then wants to use another application, then it's up to the developer to make that application accessible, and therefore it should work with voiceover. So it's almost like two different points of view, whereas Apple says, here's a good accessible screen reader, use an accessible application. I guess JAWS and other places are saying, well, here's a screen reader, and we're going to script ourselves up to the cows come home to make sure that um, you can keep productive using different applications. In JAWS and Windows, you are very heavily dependent on how good that script is in a, in a lot of situations with a lot of applications. As long as you have a good script that speaks what you need on the screen when you need it, you're golden. But if... The app gets updated or something changes in JAWS or if something happens to break the script, unless you yourself are a script writer, a script programmer, someone has to fix it. Um, mm. it, it, it. With voiceover, things can also go wrong. Things can break. Apps can get updated. But it's so interesting that, uh, that at least my experience has been what you do if that happens with the Mac and voiceover is you contact the developer who you very likely can communicate directly with because Mac apps by and large are developed by small one, two, three, ten person uh, little shops or companies. And they are very interested for the most part in making their application work for everyone, including people who use voiceover. And that's not true in every single case, but time and time again, I've had great response from developers. So it, it, it's it's a different approach, isn't it? I mean, it, it, is that kind of what, what you're talking about? 
Look, I think so, because every time there's a, an update to Windows or there's an update to Office or there's an update to another program, whatever else, I, I groan because I think, oh, my God, what's going to be broken this time? Or is there going to be a feature that's not going to work again because some ratbag developer felt like you know changing the attributes of a button on the screen or they've changed where the toolbar is and all that sort of t- type of stuff? So, yeah, I just – because when you think about it, if JAWS wasn't there, I mean, I know we've got NVIDIA and I know we've got Supernova and those ones, but if if, if something happened to JAWS, <laughs> I think we'd be almost in deep water in a way because there's only certain much stuff that NVIDIA can do. Um, I must admit I haven't tried Supernova with Office, but I'm, I'm assuming it's pretty good. Um, but it's almost like, and I don't know if Microsoft intentionally does this, but they can almost sit back and relax and say, well, we really don't need to make Narrator as good as it needs to be because other people can use third-party screen readers. We'll just make sure it works with, you know, the operating system and our basic apps, um, which it does for more or less extent. But I've noticed the other thing that Narrator hasn't done, they haven't bought in scripting for Narrator because really if you're going to have a screen reader on Windows, you need to have some sort of scripting capability where you can say, you know, I want to call this button the back button or I want to call this button the confirm button or whatever else it might be. Windows makes me nervous because every time Windows changes so much, it just makes me nervous. I know there's some issues on the Mac about focus that Alison talked about. Um, there's the Mac App Store, which drives me nuts because it's very hard to navigate. The fact that notifications pop up and drag your focus away. But there's sort of issues that I've just learnt to cope with. I'm, my screen reader is not going to stop working because Apple's updated the operating system or Apple's updated an application. Um, I don't have that sort of nightmare fear about being stuck in the middle of nowhere. Um, but with Windows, I'm sort of paranoid about Windows. I'm paranoid about the applications being updated and I'm paranoid about the actual screen reader not working. Jamie, you've been listening to all this and I know you're recently using the Mac again. Can you kind of react to what, what you've been hearing and, and tell us where you're at with it these days? Sure. Well, I became interested in the Mac in the early, oh, I don't know, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. There was a an article that was published by a very prominent organization that had some negative things to say about the Mac. And uh, it was pretty amazing because Mac users came out of the woodwork and they came out swinging. And they didn't just criticize the article, but they actually rebutted it and said, hey, here's here are the, the tasks that we are able to do and here's how we do them. And along with that started uh, popping up a lot of tutorials um, over on the Blind Cool Tech podcast. Mike Arrigo posted a whole bunch of stuff. David Woodbridge, Dr. Woodbridge himself posted a lot of demos. And so I started listening to those and just really kind of got interested in the Mac. So I was also a part of a podcast that was kind of all things Apple, um, iOS, and Mac for a while. And so in 2012, I purchased a MacBook Pro and used it some. I played with it. I guess you could use that terminology, played with it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But uh, Windows was what I knew. So I kind of just, I, and besides that, my work was pretty much in Windows. And so that's where I stayed. In about 2015 or so, I started really using the Mac. My, my job changed and I started using the Mac pretty much exclusively for, I don't know, two or three years, maybe. My MacBook Pro began to show its age. I didn't really have the money to replace it. And my job kept pulling me toward Windows again. So 
for several years, uh, the MacBook just was became unusable, basically. And, and I just immersed myself back in Windows again. I have a student that I, I train in several different areas. We, we do Windows. We've done Mac. That was kind of how I started working with her initially was some Mac training and iPhone and Victor Reader Stream and pretty much whatever we want to work on in any given week. She and I both kind of have a stream of consciousness style and it works for me and it works for her. But so she said, can we go back to the Mac again? And and I'd been wanting a MacBook anyway for a while. And so that was my justification. I said, absolutely, we can do this. So I purchased a used MacBook Air. It's a 2020. So it's fairly recent. I don't have the M1 goodness, of course, but I enjoy the Mac operating system. And I think Allison alluded to that. Regardless, I think of whether I was a screen reader user or not, I just enjoy using the Mac OS personally. I find VoiceOver to be quite robust. Um, Like everything else, it's not perfect. Uh, There are things that annoy me, the focus issues, the Mac app store right now. Interestingly enough, I am doing music therapy online. Everything's virtual, of course, since about 2020. And so my workflow is in Windows. And kind of coming back to what David Woodbridge talked about, uh, I'm using JAWS with Lisi, and that's a set of scripts designed by Brian Hartjen. There isn't anything in with Lisi that you couldn't do without it, but there are some real efficiency boosts. For example, you can very easily create um, favorites like web web favorites and that sort of thing. So I have a whole bunch of music therapy uh, content, YouTube videos and stuff that I can just, in a matter of two or three keystrokes, get to. So I haven't felt ready to, or even the need, quite frankly, to put the Windows computer aside, put the MacBook on the desk and start doing music therapy from the Mac because I want to remain as efficient as I can. And it's not that the Mac couldn't give me that. It's that my experience level and my workflow is in Windows. The flip side of that is one of these days, if my laptop bites the dust, which I've had a couple of Windows updates that have went really sideways and my I've lost work for a day, quite frankly, because my Windows computer was out of operation until I could get some sighted assistance to get some things going and and what have you. Um, If I had had my MacBook at that time, I could have put the MacBook on the desk, got my work done, and then spent my evening trying to troubleshoot my my Windows issues. So I really do need to probably put the Mac into service more, even in in a professional sense. As far as writing goes, I do use Microsoft Word, although I am quite comfortable with, uh, with pages and text edit. I just recently wrote a an Access World article with Pages and had no problem with that. We we use markup, so it was easy enough to put the the text or the the links in and what have you. Voiceover is doing what I need it to do, but I'm not in any way ready to throw away my my Windows PC. And for whatever reason, and I'm not sure that this is even as possible now with the newer Macs, but I've never been one to run Windows and the Mac OS on the same computer. I have a Windows box and I have a Mac uh, computer, and I've always, I've always had it that way, and probably always will, quite, quite frankly. So yeah, I gave up of, that idea yeah. years ago of running right. Windows on a mm-hmm. virtual machine. I found the experience way more satisfying to have a separate Windows computer. Not that you, back in the day, certainly you could run them side by side, but not without its challenges and certainly not without some sacrifice to performance. At least that that was my experience, although I do know people who 
who do both and right. make it work. And as you say, that's uh, not going to be as easy or maybe not even as possible on the M1 Max. You would have to use an ARM version of Windows, and that that's going to open up a whole new can of accessibility issues and, and app related issues almost certainly but it sounds like i would say you're reminding me a little bit of, of what allison was saying in that you knew windows for you've known it for so long and you've been in it for so long that it feels like home to you in some ways in the mac you really enjoy it Mm-hmm. And yet you wouldn't want to do without your Windows machine. I mean, that's kind of what I get from that. Especially in a professional setting. Now, I will have to say that I need to find out something for audio editing because Amadeus Pro in a multi-track environment, I'm finding voiceover is not, not working real well. Um, seems to need some love unless I'm doing something wrong or need need some refresher. But uh, I, I understand in single track, that's not as much of a problem, but if you're doing multi-track now there is Reaper on the Mac and that's another interesting thing. I've got Reaper all set up on my windows PC, all Reaper is a complicated animal. It's like flying the space shuttle. I think you kind of <laughs> got to do it every day or you probably shouldn't be doing it at all. But, um, you know, I've got all my preferences and all of the plugins that I use kind of set up in windows and the thought of setting that all up on the Mac, I actually started the process and just never proceeded. But again, I probably need to, because I need to have, I need to have a, cause I actually do some professional um, audio editing and, you know, I have a deadline. My windows box goes down. Well, now I got to figure out what I'm going to use on the Mac to do some audio editing. So I need I need to know that ahead of time before I have a problem. So yeah, it's kind of like a lot of other things in a professional setting. You want to be as efficient as possible and you don't want to be kind of floundering around trying to figure out an operating system that you're not as familiar with when you've got people waiting for you to to get stuff done. But at the same time, you're never going to be more comfortable if you don't branch out and try. So I'm in a bit of a bit of a catch 22, I think. I love the handoff features of the Mac. Uh, I love messages. I'm throwing the word love around here a lot. I enjoy messages on the Mac. Don't really answer phone calls on the Mac much, but I I know that's possible. But certainly mail. Twitter is okay. I mean, I've still got Night Owl uh, on on the Mac as well as the official Twitter app. So uh, there are a lot of things that I do enjoy. I, I enjoy web browsing on the Mac. I would say what tiny little bit of Excel work. And in the past couple of years, I've actually used Excel a bit more. I'm pretty comfortable with what I need to do using JAWS and Excel. And I've not even begun to play with, with numbers on the Mac. That is one area that I might really get some heartburn if I absolutely did not have a Windows box. Do I enjoy Windows as much as the Mac? No, I really don't. I find it fun, pleasurable to use the Mac. I just find Windows to be the tool that I that I need to use to get my, my stuff done. Actually, Robert, a couple of points there too. I mean, when I do web testing, I actually can't, well, I don't, I don't know, and I can't use VoiceOver on the Mac because the way the Mac treats web pages is not the way that other screen readers like yeah. Windows ones treat web pages. So before I open my mouth about any accessibility issues, I always have to double check it with Windows because sometimes it's a VoiceOver slash browser issue it's actually not an accessibility issue that's number one number two i had this argument with a guy who said he absolutely produced this structured pdf file and i said well it doesn't work and of course it didn't work on the mac 
But when I ran it with NVDA and um, JAWS on Windows, it was perfect. I could read by headings. I could jump to tables. So again, yes, I could read the, the, the PDF file with preview on the Mac, but Apple hasn't come to the party about being able to access the structured you know, tag elements for me to efficiently be able to read a PDF file. So just picking up on James, Jamie's point about the fact that, you know, from a professional capacity, there's still some issues that Apple needs to work on to make it a proper professional tool because web testing, application testing, PDF file access, advanced or intermediate word processing, they're all the stuff that you need to get done when you're in the workplace. And that's what I tend to fall back on with my Windows with my Windows laptop, mm-hmm. if I'm not doing any of that and I'm just doing everyday homey type stuff, like sending and receiving messages, taking calls on my Mac, controlling my smart home, looking up contacts, checking my notes, copying stuff to and from my iPhone and my iPad, watching, you know, audio described movies, all that sort of stuff that you can do on the Mac really, really nicely. That's absolutely no problem. But it's when you go to the next level that's when the Mac starts having a few a bit of a, a few slight issues, I guess. I'm not going to doubt for a minute you, you, what you're saying about your experience with PDF. However, at least my experience has been, and maybe it is not has not gotten better enough. But my experience has been that Preview in recent years and VoiceOver play much better together with a PDF file than they used to. Would you agree with that, even if it's even if it's not quite where you would like to see it? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to say yes, but the answer is no. I mean, look, I can read PDF. The problem is there's a difference between reading a PDF file like a text file or a document and then navigating a PDF file. So if I've got to navigate a PDF file for tabular information or navigate by headings, that sort of stuff, or find out where lists are and so on. That's the type of stuff that voiceover doesn't give you. I agree with you. That's exactly right. Uh, I guess for me, usually my situation is I just need to read the PDF. I just need Mm. to get the information. And, And from that point of view, it's better than it used to be, but it's not where you would like to see it in terms of being able to access the detail and to navigate it, it sounds like. Correct. Yep. Yep. And finding those structured PDFs can be tricky sometimes too, because some of those PDFs aren't all that well nicely, nicely formatted. A lot of them are, to be to be fair. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, look, I would just wish PDF files would just vanish <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't stand the damn things, yeah. but unfortunately, government departments and so on love using PDF files. So yeah, they're they're, they're the bane of my existence. PDF files. So is it you know mostly do we think about what you need to do in your in your day-to-day computing world is that the thing maybe that makes the biggest difference between you know whether you whether you 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 lean toward windows or lean toward the mac i mean is that what we're coming down to here i think for most people yes and it also depends on how much expendable income you you have and how much you like to to play and tinker if you want to um, be in both operating systems as well. I don't think it's just, and I'm not thinking, I'm not saying anyone has said this, but anticipating what someone might be thinking as they're listening, it's not, I'm not saying, and I don't think any of us are saying that it's just for entertainment purposes. Like, oh yeah, if you want to just play and have fun, use a Mac. If you want to get work done, use Windows. 
I don't think it's that at all. I think it, but it is interesting that it is more of the, and I'm not even sure what the right term is, but we've talked about messages. We've talked about notes. We've talked about kind of the things that you do with your iDevices, those personal management tasks that are really quite pleasurable on the Mac. And probably if we were not screen reader users, there are some things that would probably still uh, be not as easy on a Mac, but I suspect less things would be problematic. But I think when you do bump into the, and again, you want to talk about screen readers. I mean, if you go from JAWS to NVDA, there are things when I'm doing audio editing in Reaper, I pop in NVDA for the most part. I love the responsiveness. I love how it works with Reaper. If I want to get stuff done in Microsoft Office, I'm probably going to pull up JAWS. Not that it can't be done with NVDA, but number one, I think JAWS might work a little more smoothly, but number two, and probably maybe I should flip these and make this number one, JAWS is what I'm most familiar with as far as Office goes. So even in the Windows environment, and I'm not even mentioning Narrator, but it's worth mentioning because there are times that it really has gotten me out of a pinch more than once. So even in the Windows environment, I think that multiple screen reader thing comes into play again, and maybe that's because that's what we don't have on the Mac. Right, and to an extent, it really, it really does depend, like Robert was saying earlier, on how much how much time and energy do you want to invest in all that? How much do you want to essentially learn three screen readers, which are going to make you super productive? But that's a lot of brain power. That's a lot of time. That's a lot yeah. of energy. And and it's funny, Jamie, that you mentioned the the sort of home tasks being easier on. The Mac for me, as much as I, I, I love and I and I do miss yeah. um, messages on my computer when I'm when I'm on the computer, but it's so funny because I just can't imagine sitting in front of a computer to do a lot of those tasks. I can't right. imagine being in one place with my computer doing those things. I want to be able to go over here in the other room, and then I want to go be able to check out what the dog is doing and reply to a message at the same time or, you know, stuff like that. I, I guess a lot of that depends on what you define on the go as being for you and, and being mobile while staying productive too. I can do both. So like I might start out of the computer with a cup of coffee and check mail and, and respond to some text. Me- uh, I'm in a couple of text messages right now that have about 20 people in them. Um, oh, and, and there, my phone is blowing up and, and I've, honestly now to manage a really long text thread like that, I, I do find the Mac to be a little more pleasant um, for that particular, but that's kind of a little bit of a use use case. It's not so typical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I totally agree with you, Allison, to grab the phone, go outside, enjoy the outdoors, take care of the dog, hop in the car with whoever you're riding with and go someplace. But then maybe when you get back to the house and you just want to crash in your comfy chair, you can still pick up the MacBook and and complete whatever that task was that you were. Not that you couldn't do it on, on the phone, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I do just kind of enjoy that Mac experience for for some of that stuff, I guess. And this MacBook Air that I'm on right here, this M1 MacBook Air, honestly, it's no more difficult to carry it around than it is to carry an iPad. Mm. M- maybe a little more difficult than carrying your phone, but you know, it, it, it's it's a very portable machine. You can 
easily take it anywhere. So it's just interesting, right? But yeah. I mean, I think, Allison, you are a great example of someone who absolutely gets the max out of your phone. You, you do everything on it. I do. And, and, and you know, uh, my wife, who's not a screenreader user, it, uh, you know, um, she, she is interesting. Like she just wanted an, an iPhone uh, mini because she does only phone stuff on her phone and mm-hmm. does everything else either on her iMac or her iPad. So, I mean, it's, it's a, a world of diverse work habits out there. And that's part of what's wonderful about this. There are so many choices, but it's also what's so confusing about it because people, I, I don't think, but for the most part who aren't, geeky like us and who are interested in learning three screen readers, most people don't know really, I don't think, how to make those choices. Yeah. It is a challenge. I think the other thing too is is training and support because there seems to be a lot less of support and training available for voiceover on the Mac than there is for Windows and whatever screen reader you, you might be using. So you could, you know, particularly go into most, you know, blindness related organizations better to get trained up on Windows it's when you turn up with this horrible thing called a Mac and people go, oh my goodness, well, you know, maybe so-and-so knows so-and-so who can actually teach you how to use voiceover on the Mac. So that's the problem that I find that, you know, whilst you get people that know the Mac very well in, you know, social media land and podcasting land and that sort of stuff, when it comes down to being able to train and support it on in the community, that's when it gets a lot harder because it's, you know, if you're not a Mac family, you can't really then also turn around to your family members and say, can you help me why my speech program is not working properly? So that's always in the back of my mind too, that, you know, if you are switching from Windows to the Mac or it's the first computer you've had, what type of support and training needs can you get access to? Yeah, it's a great point. It's hard to find those resources. There, there's Apple Viz and there, there are podcast that a Woodbridge guy has done and others have mm-hmm. done and that we've done here on various things. But how do you pull all that together? You know, there's, there's Janet Ingber's uh, book and there, there, there are articles here and there, but it's not in, in a place where it's very easy, especially if you're not steeped in the Mac community. I could see how it could be very frustrating. I don't know how you feel, David, but I think that the Mac you know, has suffered a lot from people who don't know the Mac very well, just making the assumption that it's not as good as Windows. And you, I hear a lot, well, Apple hasn't kept up. It doesn't sound familiar. Apple hasn't kept up. Uh, voiceovers fallen behind. And yet when I ask people, please explain to me what voiceover won't do that you wish it would. I rarely can get anyone who can tell me how it's fallen behind, but it's, it's the, it's the myth, the, the, the reputation. Do you hear that as well, David, or what do you think about that? Um, yeah, look, I guess I do. I mean, the, the, I guess people have got this default mindset that voiceover on the Mac is hard. So whilst the Mac might be easy to use, it's like, Oh God, you know, voiceover, I've heard that you've got to hold down, you know, 1,000 million keys. Um, there's this weird thing called interactive mode, which now that iOS 15 has embraced um, gr- flat and whatever they call the new mode, group mode, whatever it's called, um, which is basically interactive on the Mac, 
um, I think people are starting to, that makes a lot more sense to us. Rather than to say that you've got to trawl through all the buttons in a toolbar, you can actually interact with the toolbar, check out the buttons, then uninteract, and all you're left with is just the object toolbar. So that's always an issue. And I think when I used to do a lot of computer training, people seem to not make any distinction between the commands for the operating system and the commands for their screen. They're going to go, oh, no, on my Windows thing, if I want to read out the current window, it's insert T. Well, actually, no, that's actually your screen reader doing insert T that's got nothing to do with the Windows environment. Um, so... Because people, I mean, I think people just assume that because it's a Mac and it's, you know, people use Macs because they're artists and they're video editing, that the keyboard commands are not going to be as good. And the Macs, in some ways, got a lot more win- commands in it from a keyboard access point of view than what Windows does. And just voiceover just builds on, on top of those. And one thing that I'm pretty sure DAWs doesn't yet have, which I use all the time, and that's the item chooser. So yeah. whatever program I'm on, I can just do control option or VOI for item chooser, start typing the item I want to get down to, and hey, presto, I get this tiny little list from 600 items down to three <laughs> that I can just quickly go down to and access the item. So you know that's a powerful feature for a screen reader to have that you can quickly zap down to whatever you want to need, whether it's a client management system, an online um, shopping system, a banking system, whatever else it might be. So, you know, there are some very fast things that you can do with voiceover that you actually can't do on Windows. It's just that we don't tend to wave the flag around and go, you, our screen reader does this, yours doesn't do that. Um, I just, it's almost, people assume that because you're a Mac user, you must be, um, I just want to say we're, we're, we've got our blinkers on or that we're blind to the concept of um, knowing what we're really doing. Um, somehow we've been drugged and, you know, we're part of the, the Mac cult. But the problem is it actually does work. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, I mean, I do all my stuff on the Mac because it, it all works. And if I didn't hold my job down for the last 17 years, years using a Mac, I must be doing something right on the Mac to keep my job because there's no way that work will put up with the fact that, you know, I couldn't communicate, I couldn't conduct my radio program, couldn't do my podcast, couldn't do my evaluation. So, you know, it really do, it does work. And But again, I always say to people, look, look at what you need to do and if the Mac performs those things that you need to do, go for it. If you need Windows because the screen reader is scripted up to work with applications absolutely lovely then go for those ones yeah what a challenge though to to figure that out and i'm just kind of left with the feeling that no matter which way you go in 2022 mac or windows or some combination of mac and windows as i think honestly all of us have said that 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 we do um, Allison Moore, you, I guess the phone and, and windows, but you, you, you have used the Mac in the past for things. Maybe I'm just old and have forgotten. I guess it's always been complicated in some ways, but somehow it seems like these days it's even a bit more complicated with multiple screen readers, multiple browsers, multiple operating systems, multiple types of files that you need to access. And I, I, I'm left, I think feeling just a little bit 
discouraged by that. It's not a problem for me. I love learning screen readers and, and, and operating systems and all that stuff, but that's not where most people are at. Most people just want to get their document written or their mail read or their, or their whatever done. And they don't know where to turn to learn how to do that. And I'm glad there's good training materials available, you know, on Windows. I think uh, Freedom Scientific has really upped their JAWS training materials in in the last several years. My problem is finding the motivation. I've I've never get up in the morning and say, oh boy, I'm excited. I want to do some JAWS training today. (laughs) I've been like that with NVDA lately. I'm getting some some books on on, uh, NVDA and I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't want to sit here and really learn, learn this whole screen reader. Right, right. Actually, it's quite funny learning learning JAWS now. I'd, I'd had to go back because I, I use the commands of JAWS that I've always used for the ages, and I'd hate to go and relearn JAWS now because to me it's like flying a jumbo jet under manual control because <laughs> you've got the insert space bar, whatever that's called, yeah. the, the layered commands, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh look, all you do is just press insert space bar L or O or something else, and then <laughs> if you want to do something else, you can bring up the virtual view. And I thought. What, does that actually make sense to anybody that doesn't even know what's going on? Or, oh, you know, this thing about forms mode versus virtual mode, or you can turn it off so it actually turns on and off and whatever you need to. It's just incredibly complicated. And so not only do you have to learn the screen reader efficiently, you've also got to use, learn the application and Windows. But and it's the same not, argument that you could make from... The, the Mac side to to a win- comfortable JAWS Windows user. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too complicated to have to interact and use these multiple keys. And I mean, it, it, it it's mm-hmm. both sides can feel very complicated if it's not the part, if it's not the operating system or, or, or the, 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 the computer that you're most familiar with, right? I mean, that's kind of the problem is, is this is all complicated. There's an interesting program apparently in uh, Jonathan Mosen's latest podcast about somebody uh, suggesting that we just go back to Linux and use Braille because it actually works perfectly well. So, you know, let's forget about graphics user interface or whatever else that might let's just go back to um, Linux and just use a text-based operating system. It'd be much more fun. And it ain't going to happen. I could never go back. Exactly. What do you think, Jamie? You know, you, you, you were hoping maybe that we would figure something out. I, we've certainly raised a lot of questions, but what are you left with from all this? When you put it like that, I'm a little overwhelmed. No, actually, I guess it kind of depends on, uh, for, for us in on this panel, I think we're willing to and even need to learn multiple systems. Uh, want to, have to. I suppose for a lot of people listening out there, maybe Whatever it is that you're using that you're really comfortable with, go ahead and take the, the discipline and, and try to learn your screen reader of choice as much as you can, as, as much fun as it might not be. Um, if you are thinking about the Mac because maybe you're just tired of Windows or maybe you just want to challenge or maybe your, your entire family are Mac users and you think, wow, maybe I should think about this. I mean, there are training materials on the Mac for example, the voiceover tutorial, 
the user guide itself is built. The voiceover user guide itself is built right into the screen reader where you can access it. There are a number of free resources. I'll put it that way. Uh, that that you can access that also some of those places even offer some paid, paid training should you wish to avail yourself of that. So I, I'm, I'm kind of like uh, you, Robert, it's out there. It's not always the easiest thing to find. Uh, but I think until recently, until Freedom Scientific started really doing the, the webinars that they're doing, I'm not sure that JAWS training was always as easy to come by as as I think it is now, like Allison said, she grabbed some NVDA books. National Braille Press has done a really great job. I all will put a plug in for those people um, yes. of getting a lot of material at really reasonable prices in multiple formats. Go to nationalbraillepress.com and start looking for resources, whether it's something as simple as a, a $5 user guide or maybe an entire book on how to use the Mac or what, what have you. It does. You don't have to spend a ton of money for the training if you don't have it or you don't want to. As much as I've bemoaned the complexity of it all, the flip side of that is it's wonderful in my mind that we have these choices and that all these operating systems do work in accessible ways. But the truth is you have to dig for it. You have to figure it out. You have to learn it. And it's not going to be as easy as it is for a sighted person to sit down at a computer and point and click. Mm -hmm. There's just no way around that. But at the same time, you know, the Mac is, is the thing that all of the that is used to write all of the iOS apps. It, it's the computer that is the heart of the Apple platform in a sense, because it's what all the other uh, phones, watches, iPads, you know, home pods essentially run on. It is pieces of the Mac operating system. And so, I mean, it, it, people say, well, it's only got 5% of the market. And that's true, but that that 5% of of people are, for the most part, enthusiastic. They love their Macs. They have conferences where they go and show you how to do different things on your Mac. Allison and I have been to Mac stock where that's what it's all about. And so uh, I, I don't know. I'm sure there are Windows conferences, but I just don't hear, and it's maybe it's just because I'm in the wrong circles, I don't hear a lot of people getting on podcasts and just really talking about how much they love their Windows computer and how much they enjoy that operating system and how how exciting it is to be part of that. Actually, Robert, that's a really good point. That's really what I want to jump in about is when you look at the connectivity stuff that the Mac has got to other devices in your house or in your, and what you use, like the watch, the HomePod, the Apple TV, um, you know, all the common apps between the mobile operating system and the desktop ones. Um, that's where it comes into its own because you're looking at a whole ecosystem. There's no real similar way that Windows does exactly the same thing. So when I produce content on my iPhone, on my iPad, um, then I can quickly access that on my Mac and vice versa. If on if on an airdrop stuff between my wife and me, we can do that quite easily. Whereas, you know, even with my window and my iPhone or my window and my Samsung phone, yes, they can share certain things, but it's nowhere near the connectivity of what a Mac does with all the other stuff. So, um, so putting aside the you know the screen reader side of things, 
it's that whole ecosystem that makes me a lot more functional than if I was just relying on a Windows and a, a smartphone. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's also true on the Mac that I know of no other audio capabilities like what we have with the totally accessible software from Rogue Amoeba, like Audio Hijack and other pieces of software. I know of no way to quickly and easily create a, a bootable backup image of a Windows machine the way that you can backup a Mac. And so there i know of i know it's more possible these days to install windows from scratch if you're blind but it's 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 very very doable on the mac and has been for a very long time if you need to update your system or reinstall the system you can you can do it easily and so i mean there are so many pros and cons I'm pretty sure that we could stay here for another hour and and still keep listing them and and yet you have to figure out where you're at in your computing life what you need what you want what you're going to be doing with it and then figure out what is going to work the best for you in your particular situation. And that's part of the reason we do podcasts like this, hopefully to to whet your appetite a little bit and say, maybe I'll explore that Mac more, or maybe I'll explore, you know, Windows and JAWS a little more. Maybe there's a lot more that I could learn about that, or maybe I'll, you know, get in touch with Allison and we'll read NVDA books together. I don't know. But 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 the point is, you know, that there is so much to learn and what an exciting time it is, but it's also a challenging time. And I hope we've at least raised some important questions for people to think about. What do you think, Allison? What, what, have we have we accomplished anything here? I think we have. I think we've given people a lot to think about in terms of just really breaking down your workflow and the things that you do and, and considering it. Um, and in terms of using that to sort of guide the decisions that you make for what technology you use. One thing I really do want to add though, is as much as there are people like us and others who take what I think has been a really thoughtful, kind, thorough approach to this subject. There are also people who get in their corner and they bash the other side. You see it in all aspects of life nowadays, unfortunately, but especially in the, in the tech sector, the windows bashers, the Apple bashers, don't, don't let those people discourage you. Um, and don't really let those people influence you. Make your make your own decisions. Like what you like, use what you use. If you want to use all the operating systems, use all the operating systems. Thanks. But do what works for you in the end. And don't let the haters kind of cloud your vision of what technology use looks like for you. And it's okay to take the best of both of them and use what you need to use to get the job done and fight yes. for the technology, the hardware that you need to make it work. I mean, that's another challenge. How do you afford all this stuff? But, you know, to really find the way, if you can, to get what you need, even if it's both, you know, I'm glad I have a Windows laptop because when I need to do something that, that I need Windows for, I need that, even though I spend 
95% of my time on the Mac. It is difficult in some ways to to marry the two as much as I would like to see it happen. I mostly use iCloud, but then there's a problem with my Windows friends who don't have Apple devices getting access to to uh, information from from iCloud. You can't apparently get access to shared files if you don't have an iCloud account. So I mean, it's 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 just going to be uh, a matter of really seeing what you need to do. And there are probably going to be surprises along the way. You're probably going to find some things working better than you were afraid they might and some things not working as well as you were hoping they would. But that's just kind of the state of the art in my mind. That's just kind of where we're at. David, any final comments, thoughts from you about all this? We've we've opened a big can of worms here. No, look, I just think whatever works for you, just go for it. I mean, you know, I'm going to be playing with a lot more with um, TalkBack over the next couple of weeks because I'm going to be doing a, a webinar at the end of the month on TalkBack and, and phones and that sort of stuff and the new Galaxy Watch. But I was seeing the other day, even if I was a, an Android user, there are certain things that I still can't do on Android that I can do on my iPhone. So, you know, I'd want the best of both worlds. If I was an Android user, I'd still want access to some sort of iOS device, whether it be an iPod Touch or a an iPhone or an iPad. And I was thinking the same with Windows and the Mac. I mean, like you, Robert, I can do 95% of the things I can on my Mac. And the other 5%, I just need my Windows computer to do stuff with it. So I think it really does boil down to the fact that look at what you need to do. Um, There's no right tool. A combination of things is fine. Nobody says you've got to use only a Windows, only a Mac, only an Android phone, only an iPhone. Um, get what works and then overall your productivity will be fantastic so you know I I switch smartphones all the time I switch operating systems Um, if I'm on Windows I switch you know if I don't need to do full-blown screen reading I don't use JAWS I tend to use NVIDIA or just good old narrator for just quickly checking the weather or my email um, so yeah, look, I, I really think it just boils down to the fact that what you need to do and if you're being productive in what you're doing, that's fine. Jamie, it's been delightful to have you podcast with us and catch up with you a bit again. Thank you for being here. Any final thoughts from you? First of all, thank you for allowing me to join this team. I've really, uh, admired you guys for a lot of years. I've kind of followed you. Um, you know, you don't podcast every week. You don't, uh, you know, but when you do, uh, you have some really thoughtful content. And so I really appreciate being able to, to contribute in some way. I would say to people who are um, just kind of trying to soak all of this in and, and digest what we've said, absolutely agree with everything that has been set up to this point. I would just say, as you're trying to learn whatever technology you are trying to learn, don't become overwhelmed and try to do too much at once. You're not going to learn it all at once. In fact, you're never going to learn it all, but you can over time begin to develop skills that work for you. And if, if uh, your best friend in the whole world uses quick nav on the Mac and you just don't quite get the hang of that, or you just don't care for that, uh, it's okay. Use the old control option arrow keys to do what you do. If someone else is a trackpad commander whiz, that's great, you know. Bless their hearts and and let them enjoy that. If that's not your thing, that's okay too. So, there are lots of different ways to accomplish 
uh, whether it be the, the Mac or Windows or, or your iPhone or whatever. There are lots of ways to accomplish a task and find something that works for you. Keep plugging away at it. Keep listening to podcasts like this one. Um, I love what Allison said. Don't let the negative people get you down because that's always, that's just part of social media fun, quote unquote, as snark. So it's, it's going to happen. Um, you're going to see Jaws get bashed one week. You're going to see voiceover get uh, you know, crushed the next. And it's just what's going to happen. And you can just kind of let that roll on off and just keep doing what you do. All right. I think that sums it up pretty well for this time. Thank you all for listening to this and certainly hope you found it helpful and stimulating in the sense of giving you some things to think about. We will be back sometime soon because I see in my email that there is going to be an Apple event next week. (laughs) So we will see what Apple is going to announce to us this spring. Will I be buying another Mac? Will you be (laughs) (laughs) buying? You know, Allison, I am going to say that that is certainly a possibility. (laughs) It could happen. All right. Well, thank you all again. And... We will be back soon, but for now, this is Robert, one of the tech doctors, saying so long for now. And this is Allison, one of the tech doctors, saying bye, everyone. I'll chat to everybody next time, and hopefully I'll be here not floating down the closest river or out into the ocean somewhere. Oh, goodness. Yes, I hope that's not the case because I don't know how well that Mac's going to do underwater. Nope. Right, I'll, I'll let you know. Your Apple Watch will be great. Your Mac, not yeah. so much. Oh, that's true. Yes, no, it will. That's it. <laughs>